Well, give me some scriptures up there, Matt. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to the word. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in a sincere, sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. After the birth, after the new birth, lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Thank you so much. It was two weeks ago I talked to you about damaged hearts and how that life and, you know, damages our heart and how that Jesus came to heal those damaged hearts and how I think that and feel that much that the world offers us while counseling is wonderful the books are fantastic they are they are additions to help us they more they most often simply help you deal with a damaged heart. How to live with a damaged heart. And so we have so many, Christians included, that are learning to cope and live with a damaged heart. But Jesus, when he came, he didn't come, and I mean to help us live with a damaged heart. He came to heal our damaged heart. Amen. And so uh, with that in mind, today I want to talk about a pure heart. A pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That passage of Scripture is not merely that you'll get to go to heaven and see, you know, heaven and all its beauty and all its wonder. It really has to do that there are things, there, a pure heart affords us so many things right now. It affords us, you know, a, an admittance into the presence of God. Into the presence of God. It is... A pure heart has a, ha, uh, is, has a sense about it that it stands in awe of the glory of the Lord. Peter talked about how that we've been born again, but yet, you know, there's some things that maybe possibly we need to deal with or at least lay aside. The heart has been changed, but some of the habits and the ways and the thinking and the minds, you know what I mean, still seem to tag along. You see, Jesus came into the world. Why? Because we had such dirty hearts. The prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and despitefully or desperately wicked. 
I'm not going to argue with the word. Huh? Yeah. But he came because our hearts by themselves are so dirty. And yet he came to take out that heart, give us a brand new one, and then therefore, you know what I mean, that we might learn how to manage our inside world. You can't control the outside world. You can do your best, you know what I mean, to, to put the parameters up, you know what I mean, so that a lot of those things are not influenced and can't get in to your mind and your thinking, but how many know that's a daily battle? It is, yeah. But you can govern the inside world, your heart. And the scripture says that one of the, the greatest pursuit that we can have today is the pursuit of a pure heart. The pursuit of a pure heart. A heart that is, is, is undivided, as that song says. A heart that is clear of falsehood. A heart that is, is uh, single-minded when it comes to God. No falsehood in it. Remember when Jesus, it was Nathaniel, I believe, he said, Behold, a man in whom is no guile. That guy had a pure heart. There was no deceit in him. He was just honest, you know, uh, 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 open and, and, and not bad, though. You know what I mean? You can be open and be bad. <laughs> but he had, a, he had a good heart that uh, Jesus recognized in him. He recognized that in a pure heart, we don't have a mate and a lover. In a pure heart, we don't have a mate or a spouse and a lover, which is very common today in the world. Israel was constantly having lovers. Yeah. They loved to have that extracurricular side of, of life. James chapter 4 says this. It says... Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Isn't that something? He's not talking to the world. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. How'd you like to have him for your preacher? Yes, a pure heart. A pure heart. There's a story, and you'll remember it. It's in the Bible. It has to do with Elijah and Gehazi, his servant. You remember how Naaman was informed that there was a man of God and that 
if you go to him, you know what I mean? He could ask him what he must do to be healed of his leprosy. And he was a leader of a country. And so anyway, the story is, of course, he comes to, to Elijah and uh, he tells him to dip seven times. Takes a little convincing, but finally he does. And the guy is so, so excited and so happy, you know, as any of us would be, that he is, he's cleansed, he's whole. His whole life broadens out that he wants to offer some gifts. But Elijah says, you know what I mean? No. You know what I mean? You, you, you don't have to reward God for doing what he does. So anyway, you know, the king and the leader, he leaves. And then in chapter 5, Gehazi runs after him. He runs after him and said, wait, wait, wait. You know what I mean? My master has reconsidered. Then he begins to tell him, you know what I mean, what he could do. The master hadn't said that. He had a deceitful heart. He had a deceitful heart. And, and what we discover is it affected his, his, his role in life. It affected the power of God. Because Elijah says, here's my staff. A woman's son had died. And I want you to go lay that staff on that boy so he can live. And so Gehazi goes ahead and, you know, runs, gets to the house and lays the staff on the boy. And nothing happens. The man of God comes along. He takes the staff. And he lays it on the boy. He says a prayer and the boy comes to life. What's the difference? It's not the staff. It's the hands that hold the staff. The hands that hold the staff. In one, it allowed the power of God to be released. In the other, it restricted the power of God from being released. Now, this is a, a picture and, and so important to us because we want power in the church, don't we? God's given us staffs. But it's the purity of the staff holder. That helps to release the power that's in the staff. And that's why purity is a pursuit that we got to have in our lives. Because the world needs to see the power of God. He says, pure hands. 
clean hands. Not reaching for that which is not yours. Yes. Hallelujah. Did you know that the word pure and holiness speak of the same thing? Holiness is purity. Impurity is holiness. I don't like that word holiness. Well, it's better to use purity then. But Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says that without it, no man shall see the Lord. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will be able to walk just right into his presence? He that has clean hand and a what? Pure heart. Pure heart. My pursuit is pure heart. Absolutely. A pure heart that's unwavering when it comes to God's will. A pure heart that has pure motives. A, a heart that practices what grace has already done and created in me. That purity of mind, will, and desire. I think that this concept and this idea, you know what I mean, <clears throat> has a lot to do in Jesus when he projected the fact, you know, of such is the kingdom of heaven when it comes to children. Where can you get more purity, more sincerity? I don't really always know, but they're always real. Thank God. That pure heart that when our time and our activities and our relationships and our thoughts and our emotions, they all come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I think Jesus was demonstrating a pure heart when he said, not my will but thine be done. It's not that there's other, th there's, it's not that there's not other things at the door. There are other options laying before us, but we choose what grace would choose. See, Jesus did not come just to change our conduct. He came to change our heart. In Matthew chapter 23, the religious leaders, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I've never called you that. And I won't. You're good people. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outward, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. On the outside of you 
appear righteous to men, but the inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Contaminants had moved in and done something to the heart. James says this, it's possible. He says, brethren, how is it that out of the same spring comes sweet water and bitter water? These things ought not to be, he says. He says we need, you know what I mean? You know, a, a purifier. A purifier. Malchiah said this. He said that Jesus would sit as a refiner's fire in a purifier. And he said it, it'll be a lot like gold and silver. Anybody had any hot spots in life? <laughs> any places that God's kind of turned up the heat? Doesn't have to be that way, but getting a pure heart doesn't happen on its own. It all starts with the blood of Jesus Christ. But after that, there's application. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to the word of God. Yes, yes. We develop a pure heart by living a pure life by taking heed to the word of God. That's why it was the man after his own heart. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That, that I might, that impurities might not settle in. Because out of that flows life. And when you decide that, which I'm sure you've already decided, when, when, you, when you pursue it, you are going to be swimming upstream. It's too bad, but the, the, the one institution that should be countercultural <laughs> because of the culture should be the church. Should be the church. Swim upstream. It's against the tide, against the popular opinions, against culture. Yeah. That influence that has always seemed to press in. <coughs> A pure heart is responsive and sensitive to God. Second Corinthians chapter 3 says that 
when we turn to the Lord, when we exercise our mind in turning to the Lord, there is a purification that takes place. And there is a, 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 an illumination that happens. It says the veil is taken away. Humble yourself. Mighty hand of God. That's how purity of heart and life is granted and is maintained. Our conscience needs to be clear. And we can clear our conscience if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It was David that said, against you and you only, Lord, I have sinned. Wait a minute. It's not true. By observation. He sinned against Bathsheba's husband. He sinned, you know what I mean, that affected all the house of Israel. God is not denying that, but he's saying all sin is against God. It has a domino effect, but it's against God. confess our sins for purity. A pure heart has a right attitude no matter what happens in life. And when I talk like this and tell you, you know what I mean? This is what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. Okay? When it's flowing in our lives. I give you power over all the works of the devil. We'd like to cast out demons, wouldn't we? What about those things that knock at our door and try to take away the purity of our hearts? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you know what's him and what's not him? Well, the Word is a good place to do that. How do you know what's really going on on the inside? Well, the Word is a good place to go ahead and discover that. James says it's a mirror. Life is not always friendly. 
but we need to have such purity in our hearts that we're always friendly. Look at this pure heart attitude, James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You've got to be kidding me, God. <laughs> Knowing that the test of your faith produces patience or the benefit that comes out of it. Hebrews 12 says this, and I know chasing at the, at the present, you know, when this happening takes place. No, ouch, for sure. <laughs> that hurts, God. But it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It was in Luke chapter 6. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. We get this, the passage for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible talks about a hardened heart. But it doesn't start out as a hardened heart. It becomes, first of all, the steps of desensitized heart. Desensitized. Our vision depends upon the purity of our heart. Without the purity of heart, you can't see. Yeah. So we apply God's word. We intentionally train our minds. Second Corinthians chapter 10, pulling down strongholds of every thought that, you know, comes against God. It's interesting, isn't it, that the Bible spends a lot of time talking about our relationship with one another. It does. Spends more time talking about our relationship with one another than it does about our relationship with God. But at the same time, it does compare our relationship with one another, you know what I mean? Is a good indicator of how our relationship with God is going. Yeah. So have I come to the point, you know, I don't like David. I know I can't go there. Thank you. <laughs> if I feel something rising up, you know what I mean? 
I know I can't go there. It's just simple. You know what I mean? You just can't go there. That's how you maintain a pure heart. It's not, it's, it's not a, you know, it's, it's so fundamental. It's so, it's so practical. You don't even need a revival to get a, on the pathway of a pure heart. The fact is, I think that on the pathway of a pure heart is, is, is main, is, is wonderful revival. Why? Because what God is going to do He's going to do because of the purity of our hearts. The rich communion of the Holy Spirit is connected to the purity of my heart. David said in Psalms 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know what's going on. He's, my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You will come to crossroads. You'll have opportunities. You will be making decisions. And it all will depend on the decision you make, the choices that you make, based upon the purity of your heart. Maintaining a proper prayer life and maintaining a, a proper thought life lends to a pure heart. Psalms 19 and 14 said that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Does God approve of what you're thinking about? I know there's forgiveness with God. Don't get me wrong. Keep a good attitude. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Romans chapter 8, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So boy, oh boy, we got to get it right. <laughs> Paul said in 2 Corinthians, you got to pull them down. Don't give it a leash. Don't give it a long leash. You know what I mean? I don't even recommend giving it a short leash. I, I recommend just cutting it right off, you know? Isn't that what it's, what he's really talking about when he said, you know, you got to die to yourself? Yeah. You got to go ahead and 
sacrifice. Hallelujah. I sold on a pure heart. In order to have a pure heart, you have to make yourself available to God. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I love the song that the singers had for their verse this morning. And the worship is that, that pure heart. There's such power in purity of heart. Purity of heart helps us make the most out of all of our experiences, whether they're good or bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love how he ends everything with the positiveness, doesn't he? You know? He's not denying what's going on. He said, this is really taking place. There's a lot of shaking going on. But purity of heart makes the traveling in life's journey so much lighter. You don't have to carry those weights and sins that so easily beset us. Purity of heart, I don't, I don't, you don't have to carry, well, you didn't do it. You know. You, you went ahead and, you know, I get frustrated with you. Purity of heart goes up. I'm not going to get frustrated. But I will pray. Yeah. Because if you get frustrated, what do you do? It's a tremendous weight. Somebody's style gets the best of you. All those just little small things. They may not be big, but they add weight. They add weight. And that's when he said, lay aside every weight and sin and lust so that so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the, the race that is set before us. He wants us to run with lightness. I'll ask my physicians to come this morning. 
thing that purity does. Purity removes the old and prepares us for the new. It removes the old. Remember? Put off the old man and put on the new man, which is created in righteousness in Christ Jesus. Then he goes and tells us, put on love. You know, put on kindness. Put on long-suffering. Put on patience. Put on reverence. You know, put on. Dress your heart. Dress your heart. Hallelujah. Yes. The word is the gauge. Look what the word says about itself. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in the furnace of fire, purified seven times. In other words, it stood the test. We don't have to worry whether or not, you know what I mean, that the word will stand. It will stand. You live by the word. The word says do, and you do it, you come out good. The word says don't, and you don't, you even come out better. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You can't go wrong with the word. Psalms 19 and 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalms 119, 140, your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. Proverbs 30 and 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. with this thought and that is we're supposed to give self-examinations we're supposed to give ourselves or examine ourselves 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 5 he says examine yourself whether you're are you, whether you're in the faith, are you living up to the faith standard? Examine. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and for give us our trespasses as we give those. You know, it's the purifying of the heart. Yeah. yeah. Set in the order of the day. Hallelujah. 
But this message is not to say that, that you don't have a pure heart. But I'm going to be 75, and within that framework, I know how contaminants can get in. I know it. They can get in, and I can still preach the Word. We examine ourselves to see that we're aligned with God's mind and God's will. The fact is, in, ever in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this, before the Lord's Supper, he says, I need you to examine yourself. Before you Take the Lord's. He's not being restrictive. He wants to pour out a blessing. So, in order to examine yourself, number one, you examine your faith. How do you examine your faith? Well, I know how I would do it, so you know, but I would go to to uh, faith works by love. So I go, well, okay, this how am I loving? Then I go to Hebrews chapter 11, I read that. <laughs> oh, I guess I got room for improvement. <laughs> it's not a put down. It's a lift up. And so I work on that. I you know, work on, on that. Examine my, examine my faith. Then Ephesians chapter 6 says, you need to examine your work. So when you're examining, you know what I mean? Your heart. You take a look at your works. saved by works but we're saved to good works it says let each of you examine his own work and that's one thing you know that helped me tra travel a little lighter is I'm not going to examine your work Examine your work. You and God. Just examine your work. Hallelujah. And then examine your perspective and your outlook. Your perspective. I like Isaiah's perspective when he had that moment with God.
Now, he had probably had better lips than a lot of people in Israel. But they weren't his standard. People are not our standard. Jesus is. He's our standard. Stand with me today. Blessed are the pure. in heart for they shall see God I just want to improve my relationship my audience with the Lord that's all and I just want to improve it I know that the throne room is open you know what I mean I know that we can come anytime receive mercy and grace but I want to leave changed there is a a thought line I would say in the kingdom that if life runs smooth and I'm blessed and overflowing that Everything must be all right. And I'm not saying so. But I will tell you the story about a man called Jacob. He's in the Bible. It took 14 years for God to break Jacob's deceptiveness. Everything he put his hands to just turned to gold. But one encounter with God one time. Jacob was about God. And God drained him of that deceptiveness. And he started to love that which he or the person that he had previously hated. He started to be more concerned about his brother Esau than he was about himself. Yeah. Would you pray with me today? Father, I personally come to you this morning. I also come to you on behalf of the heart of the Bible Center Church. While we are many individuals, yet this house also has a heart. I want my heart to be uncontaminated 
I want the heart of Bible Center to be without contamination. That our heart will beat with compassion. That our heart will overflow love and care for the family of God. A heart that allow for our differences without diminishing our love. A heart that constantly becomes purified by the Word the presence of the Holy Spirit. A heart that's been healed from the damages of life's journey. A heart loves God with all of itself and a heart that loves its neighbor as much as it loves itself thank you for a pure heart I pray this morning for a special blessing name, Karen, Adam, Addie. I pray a special blessing upon Addie this morning, a little baby, upon Brandon and Jana, God, upon the extended family. Thank you for the tremendous gift that you've given to that household. We bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, folks. God bless you. Remember, next Sunday is a special time of, you know, kingdom work. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.